Amen. Good morning. Hey, some of y'all are like, I love it. It's awesome. I feel like Stephen Furtick in here. Come on. Y'all ever heard him? They just constantly, they're in it. It's good stuff. Listen, so, so, so yesterday, I ran in my first 5K race. Of course, I used the term ran very loosely. Like, not at all. Um, but, considering I, I, I didn't train at all, and my exercise is definitely not where it should be, I, 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 I jogged for the first mile. Come on, hey, come on. And then I stopped and walked fast. And then the last 30 yards, the finish, I, Take the picture. No, we had a lot of fun. And, and, and you know, those of you who run, uh, you know, that's your thing is running. You know, God bless you and everything. I, just, I have a question. Um, is blurred vision and nausea part of the experience? No. No, um, no but we did raise a lot of money for the orphans in the Philippines. Let's give God praise for that. Thank you for those who participated. Um, the goal was for the people, each person to raise $240, which fed an at-risk child for a year. $240 feeds a child for a year. That's unbelievable in our economy, in our mind. And these are not just orphans. These are children who have come out of the sex slave trade. God is using us and is going to continue to use us in that way. I haven't forgot about our uh, brother in Pakistan. You've heard me talk about him, and we're going to continue to look at that and, and, and helping that orphanage as well and that church. God is doing amazing things, amazing things. Hey, listen, I uh, apologize for the warmness in the room. I see a lot of this going on. Listen, this wasn't my outfit in the early service. Anybody, anybody here in there? Is anybody? Yeah, I sweated completely through it, and I had a jacket on. It was just, I had to send Kathy to Walmart to get a shirt because I didn't want to put you all through that. So I will definitely sweat through this one as well. So just don't even worry about it, okay? We're just, you know, we are going this week to check out why the air is not keeping up. In the early morning, it's set, and it's at 62, and it just goes and it just keeps going up. It can't keep up. So we're going to look at that this week. Somebody wants to drop 10 grand into the offering to make sure that, no, well, you know, God lays it on your heart. Hey, listen, quickly, before I get into the message, Wednesday nights, if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you are missing it. We have a great set of programs on Wednesday night. The ladies, Kathy leads the ladies Bible study. They just started, they just... They just started a new series by Christine Kane. Anybody heard Christine Kane? She's starting a, she's doing a series called Unashamed, and it's going to be fantastic. And uh, you need to, ladies, you need to be a part of that. There were over 30 ladies involved. And talk about heat. I heard that that room was a little bit warm as well. That's just our thing, I guess. I don't know. 
Uh, and then the men led by Stephen Brock, they have an awesome Bible study. They, they also had around 30 men this past Wednesday. And then Dr. Thomason and his wife Lori are going to be starting the freedom class at the end of September. So a lot of great things. And of course, our student ministry is right here on Wednesday night. And they, man, this past Wednesday, I mean, it was just an awesome night all the way around. And then, of course, Amanda downstairs with our children's ministry. So if you are not involved in that, especially if you have a child or a teen, you need to get here. All Wednesday night. Okay, I'm excited about this new series that we're actually. I'm just excited for the fall. Uh, anybody ready for some football? The volunteers are going to reign supreme. I'm speaking it by faith. I don't know, whatever. Um, have been for many, many years. That's <laughs> all right. I'm ready, but you know, summer is great. And I'm thankful for the kids. You get a break. We take our vacations. But in church world and in church leadership, it's like this in the summer. It's like me in that 5K yesterday. It's just you're, you're, you're doing stuff, but you're just not going anywhere. So I'm glad to be coming out of that and going into the fall. But we are starting a new series today called Flannel Graph Heroes. Flannel Graph. Now, how many remember sitting in a Sunday school class? I won't say the decade. But uh, I've been there. So how many remember sitting in a class where your teacher used a flannel graph in Sunday school? Raise your hand. Come on, let me see it. Let me see it. How many of you have no clue what I'm talking about? Yep. A flannel. <laughs> We're going retro. Going retro. See, you, you know, old school is now retro, which is great because I'm old school. So uh, now we're going old school. Retro, a, a flannel graph is just a board with flannel material on it, and they would use, the teacher would use these little characters, you know, Daniel or whatever, and it had material on the back of it, kind of like Velcro, but not nearly as, as strong, and they would, as they would tell the story, they would just stick these characters up, and the background might be something like that, and they would just stick the characters up as they told the story. Now, most of the time with these flannel graph stories, it would be the big stories, no one the art, because you got like, animals and all that stuff, or creation or Daniel in the lion's den, or David and Goliath. But for this series, we're going to kind of look at some characters that may be unsung heroes. Some that you may have heard of, but not maybe know all the story. And their story is just as powerful. I hope we learn something and also can apply it to our life. And so the first character is Josiah. And our talk today is called Josiah and the Elephant. Did, have you ever heard of Josiah and the elephant? How many have heard of Josiah? King Josiah. Okay. How many have heard of the elephant that goes along with Josiah? Oh, you're going to learn something today. There is definitely an elephant in Josiah's story. So we're going to find out. We're going to put that on the back burner just for a second. Now, we've all heard of the saying, we must deal with the elephant in the room. Now, you know, kind of know where I'm going. The elephant in the room. And the idea of this massive beast, and they are huge, folks. I don't know if you've ever been up close to one. I got to ride an elephant in Nepal last year. And I've been in Africa as well and got to be on the safaris and see them up. They're massive. They're huge. And the idea of one of them being in your living room and everybody ignoring it, you walk in and walk. 
ignoring the smell and what they do and all of that and just not dealing with it at all. It's, it's, it's really quite humorous. But in my studies of kings, I came across a pattern with some of the few good kings of Judah. Now, at this point in history, y'all bear with me with a little history lesson. Uh, at this point in, in history, there's two nations, okay? They're, they're, they're not like Solomon where they're united together, the 12 tribes of Israel. Now we've got 10 tribes in the north called Israel and two tribes in the south called Judah, okay? We're talking about Judah. Israel had just a string of bad kings. I mean, it was terrible. Judah had some good kings, and we're going to talk about some of that, but there's a pattern that happens that I, I noticed with these good kings. Most of them had this elephant in the room that they refused to deal with at the beginning of their reign, and eventually they forgot it was even there. And we moved to Marietta in uh, 1977, somewhere around in there, and we bought some, my parents bought some furniture and a couch. And stuff to kind of go with the decor and all of that was fine. Well, 10, 15 years later, they remodeled that room and new carpet, new paint on the wall. And suddenly, we realized we had the ugliest couch on the planet. And my mother was like, don't even invite anybody over. Don't, don't open the door. Don't let anybody in. She was so embarrassed. I mean, but it was the same couch. It's the same couch that was there all along. Suddenly, there was a catalyst for change. We changed the room around it and noticed, oh, my word, that's an ugly couch. It became the elephant in the room. Let's, let's read exactly what the Bible says about each of these kings. So we're going to find out what the elephant was and how it becomes less and less visible as time goes on. Text number one, king number one. So this is 1 Kings 15. This is King Asa. Look at the board, or you can follow along in your Bible. I'm in the New Living. Asa did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, as his ancestor David had done. Do you notice that? As David had done. He banished the male and female shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. That's good, right? Verse 13, he even deposed his grandmother. Poor grandma. No, she wasn't. She was bad. Bad news. But that's serious business when you depose grandma. Okay? So he deposed his grandmother, Mecca, from her position as queen mother because she had made an obscene Asherah pole. I don't even want to know. Grandma, come on. He cut down... Her obscene pole and burned it in the Kidron Valley. Now notice 14. Although, everybody say although. The pagan shrines were not removed. Asa's heart remained completely faithful to the Lord throughout his life. Now notice Asa did a lot of good. He's a good king. He says it. He banished the prostitutes. He got rid of the idols. He deposed his grandmother he cut down the Asherah pole, and he personally remained faithful to God all his life. The message version of this said he was well-intentioned. He was well How many know that it's good to start with good intentions? You're not going to get anything done if you don't have any good intentions. But how many also know that good intentions will not finish the job? Anybody that struggles with their weight and diet can tell you that right now, that good intentions about losing weight does not lose 
the weight or keep it off. Come on, everybody that kind of has my struggle, just say amen. amen. And those of you who don't, I don't like you. <laughs> I love you because I have to do that to go to heaven. But I have a real problem with that. Okay. That doesn't get the job. When I was uh, in high school, I was, I was a good piano player. I've always had a good ear for music. I could hear it. I could hear it and play it with whatever it was, guitar, bass, piano, mainly piano at that time. I decided I didn't just want to be a good piano player. I wanted to be a great piano player. So I knew that I had to step up my game. Those were good intentions, by the way. Those were good intentions to become a great piano player and to use that gift that God had given me. So I decided I've got to step it up and become as good with music, actual written music, as I am by ear. So I, I went and bought a bunch of music and I set it up there and I started doing my little exercises and plumping around blah, 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 with this written. It wasn't five minutes and I was playing something else that I knew by ear that was more fun. So my good intentions, by the way, I'm still just a good <laughs> piano player. I'm not a great piano player. So my good intentions didn't quite get the job done. Ace's reign was rare. He was a, he was a good, there's a, lot, you know, there's a lot to celebrate, but he did not remove the pagan shrines. So what was the big deal with these, these shrines? Previous evil kings had them and set them up. And what was happening, listen, I know it's hot. I know it's like nap time. Hang with me, okay? What was happening at these pagan shrines was a mixture of worship. They were mixing the worship of Jehovah God, a good thing, with the worship of Baal, pagan worship. They were mixing them together. And to be honest, and it may be sound old-fashioned, but I think our elephants are not that different than theirs. And we tend to ignore them just like they did. We, listen, this is good now, we mix our lives. We mix Good things, the worship of God, our involvement in church, using our gifts and talents to serve the body of Christ and to, to help the world. We mix that and pollute that. And we go to places and we look at things and we do things that are not pleasing to the Lord. And we mix it together. And it's no different. It becomes that elephant in the room and before long we don't even notice it anymore at first we make those excuses like I'm an adult I can watch that and it not affect me I can go there and it's not a big deal come on it's not hurting anyone and then suddenly we have that elephant and before long, we don't say or do anything about it. We simply ignore it. It becomes like the invisible couch. And then, listen, listen, listen. We wonder why our lives feel smothered. We wonder why our lives.
lives feel chaotic and out of control. Look at the board. If we allow the elephant to remain, it will crowd out the purposes of God for our life. If we allow it to remain, whatever that issue or those issues, and by the way, I'm not talking about murder or adultery, and that's, those are definitely elephants, but it could be many, many things. Anything that is not of God. There are consequences, not just for our actions, but for our in action. Let's look at our second text, our second king. We're in 1 Kings still, 22, 43. This is Jehoshaphat. Come on, great king. It says, Jehoshaphat was a good king following the example of his father, Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight during his reign. However, everybody say however. however. He failed to remove all the pagan shrines and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. Again, we have a good king overall. But we have less to celebrate this time around. And once again, the pagan shrines, the elephant, has not been removed. Look at what it says. It says, following the example of who? Of his father. Following the example of of his father. Parents, look at me. Our kids are watching. Those of you who do not have biological kids, they are still, there are, there's somebody watching you. If, the, if you're at work and your co-workers, they know you're a Christian. They know that you're, I hope they know. Oh, that's a message right there. They don't. We got other issues. They are watching. There's more on the line than you think. There's more on the line than you think. Let's go to Oh, let me let me finish that. That was sorry, I got sidetracked. The elephants that we allowed to crowd our lives will more than likely become dominant in theirs. What does that mean? That means the elephant grows. You feed it, what happens? It gets bigger. And then we pass it on, and it stays in the room where they live. Mm. The next king is Joash, and there's been 15 years to go by, and he's miraculously saved as a baby from Athaliah, who's trying, his grandmother tried to kill him, and she went on a murdering spree. She went on a murdering spree to kill every child in line for the king, to the kingdom in line for the throne. And this is a phenomenal story. You need to read about it. They hide him away in the temple and they save his life. That's a sermon right there. And listen, this whole thing, I mean, I mean to, to be a king sounds pretty cool to me. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome. But in this time period, it's a dangerous gig. The reason Josiah becomes king at eight years old is because his dad got assassinated. To be a king was dangerous. Now, it was good as long as things were going well in the kingdom. It's kind of like being an SEC coach. As long as you're winning, everything's great. You got a high salary. You, you got everything going on, all kinds of privileges, all the red carpet rolled out for you. I mean, Nick Saban is like, they, people think he's Jesus. 
not you, where I used to live. Because why? Because they're winning. They're a winning team. Mark Rick would have a different story. That's on you guys. I better stop. <laughs> Being a king was dangerous. You just didn't get fired from the job. You, you, sometimes you got poisoned. Sometimes you lost your head. So that's what was happening. This is a great story. But in 2 Kings 12, 2, it says, All his life Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Did you hear that? He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Why? Because Jehoiada instructed him. Let me tell you something. I am so thankful for my youth pastors. And I'm so thankful for my pastors that poured into me, that didn't put up with stuff, that corrected me. I'm so thankful for my Christian heritage and my parents who didn't put up with nonsense and my mom who spoke into my life and prophesied into my life and, and sacrificed spiritually for me. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Can we give God praise for those people who have poured into your life? Look at verse 3. It says, yet even so, he did not destroy the pagan shrines and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. Are you seeing the pattern? And we have a good king, an amazing story, even a godly mentor and good intentions. But once again, the elephant is ignored. In my opinion, listen, he wasn't even ignored. They didn't even see him. They didn't even see it anymore. Didn't even notice it anymore. So he does not destroy the pagan shrines. Look at me, everybody. God help me as your pastor that I would not be so blind to the elephants in my own life that I would ever say something out of order or mislead you or fail you in any You need to pray for your pastor. You need to pray for the leadership of this church. That's the kind of things that keeps me up at night. I want to I ring the bell in my life. I want to reach the full potential. And I want to remove these elephants just like you. We've all got them. Text number four, king number four. 2 Kings 14, 3, it's Amaziah. This is Joash's son. Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but he, but not like his ancestor David. Now, time out. There's our first clue. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not like David. Here's our first clue that there's a difference. David operated at this level, and these kings are operating at this level, there is a difference. Instead, he followed the example of his father, Joash, who the Bible just said was also a good king. So the question, look at the board. Do you want to be a good Christian or do you want to be a great disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you just want to get by? <laughs> do you just want to crawl over the finish line like I was afraid I was going to have to do yesterday? Or do you want to do something great for the kingdom of God? Amen. Verse 4. Amaziah did not destroy the pagan shrines. And the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. 
almost identical, almost identical to the others, except the line about David and the clue about David. What's the difference? I think it's the elephant. Now, we know David was not perfect. We know he had many failures, but let me tell you about David. He was always going after the heart of God. And when he did fail and it was brought to his attention, when the elephant was revealed, David always dealt with it. And God used him as the greatest king. I think that was the difference. He would have never allowed these pagan shrines to remain. We're not done. Text number 5, 2 Kings 15. This is Uzziah. It says, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines and the peoples that offered sacrifices and burned incense there. This is another good king. This is good king number 5. And still the elephant lives. Are we finished yet? No, we've got one more. Can you believe this? One more. 2 Kings 15. This is Jotham, Uzziah's son. Jotham did what was said. Pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done. But read verse 35 with me. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. Now time out. We get this random thing at the end. He did everything else, but then he did this thing. He rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. So praise the Lord for Jotham for that, okay? Great job. But this is our sixth good king who ignored the elephant. So now we come to the boy king, Josiah. Let's find out what happens, and let's, more importantly, find out what is the catalyst that brings change to this story. What is the thing that opens the eyes of Josiah to reveal the elephant in the room? Why is this important to us? Because we need to deal with our elephants. And the same thing that revealed it to him then, the same thing that helped Judah's history, can help us as well. 2 Kings 1. I'm sorry, 2 Kings 22. Verse 1, Josiah was 8 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother was Jedediah, the daughter of Adiah from Bozkath. Wow, okay. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his, of who? Say it. David. Getting back on track. He did not turn away from doing what was right. So we already know that Josiah is on the right track. And let me tell you, his father, who was assassinated, and his grandfather, Manasseh, they were evil men. But God is beginning to restore and speak again. Verse 3, in the 18th year of his reign, so now he's 26, which, by the way, is still very young to be king. But this is not a normal 26-year-old because he's been king for a long time already. King Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azalea, not Azalea, Azaliah. <laughs> Azalea would be a plant, but that's fine. And grandson of Meshulam, the court secretary, to the temple of the Lord. He told him, listen to this, go to Hilkiah the high priest and have him count the money the gatekeepers have collected from the people at the Lord's temple. Entrust this money to the men assigned to supervise the restoration of the Lord's temple. Then they can use it to pay workers to repair the temple. Verse 6, they will need to hire carpenters, builders, masons. Also have them buy the timber and the finished stone needed to repair the temple. But listen to what he says. Don't require the construction supervisor.
supervisors to keep an account of the money they receive, for they are honest and trustworthy men. So evidently, one day, Josiah is taking a stroll, and he goes by the temple, and he realizes the thing's fallen in, the thing's dirty, the thing's in disrepair. And the Holy Spirit convicts his heart over the temple. And so he, he, he does what the only thing he can do is he says, we're going to allot some money over here to restore and repair the temple. And I love this. I love this. He tells the workers, don't worry about the receipts. Now, early service, I said, I told Cody, don't listen to that because I always want receipts when we spend money here. Okay, So that's not what happens here. But in this situation... Josiah, look, here's the money. I trust you. Don't worry about receipts. Don't worry. Just get the job done. This is too important. So the first thing, listen, the point for us today, listen, the point for us today is that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are now the temple. It's not about a place or a room or a geographical location. If you have Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we need to do if we want to remove the elephant from our life is repair the temple. Repair. Yeah, go ahead. Repair the temple. You see, when our spiritual temple, hang with me now. I know it's warm. When our spiritual temple falls into disrepair, it's really hard to see the elephant in the room. I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I'm not talking about going to hell. Or it's just hard to see those things that need to be changed and adjusted in our life. So we need to do like Josiah did. And pull out all the stops. Do whatever is necessary. And listen to me. Don't get bogged down with a bunch of details. Step one, step two, step three. None of these things. Don't worry about that. Just get in the presence of God. Get alone in the presence of the Lord. Schedule a time every day where you meet with the Lord. Make sure you are reading the word of God. Make sure you are praying. Make sure you are worshiping. Fine tune your relationship with the Lord. Do whatever it takes to repair the temple. Say that with me. Repair the temple. Give God praise if that's what you're going to do. Come on. So while they are repairing and cleaning and maintaining the temple, they find the book of the law, the word of God. And it had not been read or taught or even opened. In over 30 years. Talk about dust on the Bible. That's a whole other level. So the court secretary takes and reads the book to probably uh, Deuteronomy. What the scholars think. Reads the book to, to Josiah and listen to his response in verse 11. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Now, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he rejoice and dance and celebrate? We found the, the Bible. We found the book of the law. Why wouldn't he rejoice? Because he had just heard the Mosaic covenant. And that covenant, in a nutshell, said, I am the Lord, the only God. I am your God and you are my 
people. And if you do things the way I'm commanding you to do, if you follow the law, if you do these things, I will bless you. I will bless your crops. I will bless your people. I will protect you from your enemies. But if you don't, judgment is coming. Josiah knew that they had not been following the law. And so, therefore, he knew what judgment was coming. So he tore his clothes in despair. So then Josiah sends the high priest to a prophetess. Yes, a woman. Ladies, come on now. That's, yeah. Listen, 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 listen. I don't want to let that go. I could have just read that and we gone on. Listen, this foolishness about women not being able to minister and do those things. Come on now. God used women in the Old Testament. He used women in the New Testament. And he's going to use women now. It doesn't matter. God is going to use you. Hallelujah. Amen. Got a couple points in now. So Josiah sends the high priest to this prophetess to get a word. To get an interpretation, to get a rhema word, a right now word from this. So verse 15, she said to them, the Lord, the God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this city and its people. All the words written in the scroll of the king of Judah has read will come true. Come on. God is a God of his word. And the elephant is fixing to stop. And I'm not talking about the University of Alabama. Last service, it was really fun because there were a bunch of Alabama fans. That's all right. Anyway, the elephant is fixing to stop. Verse 17, he tells us why. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices. Uh-oh, where? Pagan. What was it they weren't removing? The pagan shrines. And I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will burn against this place and it will not be quenched. Verse 18. But go to the king. I love this. Who sent you to seek the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message you have heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against the city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. Listen, you tore your clothing in despair and went before me in what? Repentance, And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord, so I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. Listen to me. Because of Josiah's faithfulness, because of his reaction, because of his humility, because of his repentance, his entire kingdom was spared of the judgment of God. God pushed it forward. He changed his plan because of Josiah being faithful and he'll do it for you as well. Come on somebody, give God praise. So the second thing we must do, we want to evict the elephant is hear the word of the Lord and respond immediately with humility and repentance. And let me tell you something. You are hearing the word of the Lord right now. We are reading it. 
and I'm preaching it. You are hearing the word of the Lord, so now you are responsible to do something with that. You have to make a choice. Are you going to respond immediately? Are you going to let it go? Because let me tell you something. If you don't, in a few moments when I give you the opportunity to pray, if you don't and you let it go, whatever the Holy Spirit is doing with you right now, whatever you're feeling right now, you will not feel the same tomorrow. And it will be even less the next day. And less. How many know that's true? God works in that moment. Josiah decided, I'm going to respond immediately and not let this go and get back to business as usual. When the word comes, we need to respond right away with humility and repentance. And repentance is not just being sorry, it's turning. It's doing something about it. And that's exactly what Josiah does. If you continue to read, we don't have time to read the text, but if you continue to read, you will find out that Josiah goes from the north to the south, from the east and to the west, and he goes through and removes every pagan shrine from his kingdom. He cleans house. He takes care of those priests that are offering children on the altar. He executes them. He cleans house in the name of the Lord. He gets rid finally of the elephant in the room. So the final thing that we need to do, we need to do, is follow through with God's directive. Follow through. Repair the temple. Respond immediately. And follow through with what he tells us in that moment. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us in James 1.22, but don't just listen to God's word. What does it say? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. In closing, let me ask you a question. What kept the good kings from dealing with this elephant in the room. What kept somebody, somebody throw out an answer to give you a chance to be brave here. What, what kept the good kings from dealing with this elephant? Somebody? Fear? Anything else? What's that? Lack of repentance? I think all of those may, may, may fall in there, but here's, here's, what, here's, here's the deal. The pagan shrines were not removed because they had become familiar. Sure. ugly things 
in our life need to be removed. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit right now would reveal those things to us that have become familiar. The big idea is a question. Are you satisfied with being a good Christian? Which, by the way, folks, a good Christian is indefinable. What does that even mean? It's not in the word. Or do you want to reach your great potential as a follower of Jesus Christ? Now in that 5K yesterday, <laughs> I didn't have any right to be expect anything but what happened, just to finish. Just to cross the line. Because I didn't prepare. I didn't put anything into it, Jeff. But I am not satisfied with my Christian walk and with my relationship with Jesus to just be good. No matter how hard it is or uncomfortable or awkward it can be, I'm going to deal with the elephants in my life so that I can make the greatest impact with my family, with my church, and for the kingdom of the living God. I am going to deal with it. I hope you will. I challenge you to as well. I challenge you. I challenge you. The Holy Spirit is here. Would you stand to your feet and bow your head?